For the News and Observer, I'm Dawn Bond, Capital Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome. You're listening to our latest episode for the week of November 13th, 2023. It's a special local state government crossover episode because the elections this past week had a lot of local races across North Carolina, and there's a lot of overlap between state and local government. Obviously, those of you that work in either know that. Um, sometimes people go from local government to the legislature, and sometimes people go from the legislature or local government, which is what former State House Rep. Christy Clark did. She just won her race for mayor of Huntersville. So I'm here with Durham reporter Mary Helen Moore, Orange County reporter Tammy Grubb, and Western Wake County reporter Kristen Johnson. And since we are talking about uh, state versus local, Mary Helen, I'm going to start with you because the Durham mayoral race included a candidate who is currently in the state Senate, uh, Senator Mike Woodard, who lost to Leonardo Williams, who was already a council member in Durham. So there's a lot of change happening in Durham with the direction of the city right now. Yeah. Um, so the results on Tuesday night really mirrored the results from the primary. So Leonardo Williams, who is a local restaurant owner, he's been on the council for a couple years now, but he's still pretty new to the political scene in Durham. Um, so he got about double the votes that Mike Woodard did. So, um, yeah, Mike said he's going to run again for, um, for his state senate seat in 2024 and um leonardo's gonna take over control of the city next year so so chapel hill also has a new mayor so really i mean a mayor on you know a lot of councils the only difference is they're that public facing person a little more their vote doesn't necessarily count you know as much more than others depending on um what the what the municipality's roles are so chapel hill's a big change from from uh pam heminger leaving and so what for people that may not be familiar with Chapel Hill, what's what's the big difference and change with the new mayor? So uh, Jessica Anderson is going to be the new mayor uh, in December, and she was elected to council in 2015. Her opponent, Adam Searin, was elected in 20, uh, 2021, and so he'll be on the council for another two years. And they have um, been sort of opposed to each other for most of the last two years, and so it'll be interesting to see how they fit into these new roles. But um, Jessica got 60 or 59% of the vote to Adams 41%. So it was sort of a mandate on uh, the direction that the town is heading in as far as development and housing in particular this time. So what is, <clears throat> how did that change with like where people are and on what they want for development in the town? So it was more a mandate uh, in support of the new direction. The council passed a policy earlier this year, a strategy that's called complete community. And it's focused on getting more housing, uh, diverse housing types. And the idea is that you get more housing and that will bring down some of the cost of housing because Chapel Hill has had issues with housing costs for well over 20 years. And so the town has tried to address that with affordable housing programs, but it's not really working because, you know, this is a problem all over the country with affordable housing. And so this is another tactic to get that, but also to add greenways and other things that make the town more sustainable. Kristen, for you covered um, multiple races. What have the shifts been there as far as as leadership? And I think some still undecided. And then it was housing a, a big issue? Were there other factors? Housing was definitely a big issue. It's not Western Southern Wake County is not immune to that issue at all, um, especially with new companies coming in, new residents. People want to be able to still live in their hometowns or to afford apartments. 
um, that they're coming in for jobs or for other reasons. But um, in Cary, particularly, it was a big issue. Um, there was a mobile home park. There is a mobile home park there that um, uh, residents are being uh, fear of displacement. So a lot of people were mobilizing around that issue to get Cary Town Council to really take action and prioritize if there are other avenues that the, the town can take to make sure there's funding available for people who are displaced. Um, and Sarika Baksal and Jordan, Rachel Jordan are two newcomers um, that really backs the issue of housing, um, especially Rachel Jordan. She had a lot of following, a lot of support, especially from current members on the, on the council. Um, and they're neck and neck right now in the race. Again, um, they based off again on Tuesday for runoff. Um, of course, Kerry's election was October 10. So they, we don't know what's going to happen in Kerry. Same with Fuquay Perina, um, Jason Wunsch and Elizabeth Parent, who's a newcomer, um, are tied 50-50 in the race. So we won't know until next week what people um, are going to decide. And also, I think it's interesting in Southern Wake County, I think people really wanted to see something different um, with their town councils. Um, Holly Springs has two new people on the town council, um, pretty progressive liberal people. And they've been criticized before in the past for being very conservative, especially on issues like LGBTQ community, um, affordable housing. So it's going to be, there's going to be a shift in the dynamics of leadership in those towns. So yeah, it, I think it's interesting to see. So your area of coverage has more, um, both Republicans and Democrats, where Chapel Hill is really blue, um, historically, much. <laughs> and so is Durham. So what was the, um, you know, it's a different dynamic, I guess, when it's just like the same political party um, disagreeing on things, but they can be, that can be tense and really in the weeds on certain things. So it was was housing um, as big of a factor, you think, in Durham as, as other areas? Or were there other things at, at play in that race? I think development was the issue in Durham this election. And it, it was really interesting. Um, and I will say, um, with your earlier question, there is another difference between the mayor and the city council in Durham, at least. And the mayor has to run every two years. City council, they get four seats. I don't know about in Chapel Hill or same. Yeah. So that's didn't um, former mayor Shul wanted to change that, but that didn't end up happening. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't even know that, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, development was huge in Durham. And so I think it's been really interesting to analyze these results because I will say a majority of the people who were elected um, seem to be of the mindset that building more housing will lead to affordability. That seems to be sort of the, um, the guiding philosophy. And so, um, I think some people think of that as progressive. I'm not totally sure what progressive anymore. Cause I think everybody in Durham calls themselves progressive and they're really very different. Um, but, uh, the person who got the most votes on the city council, who's a planning commissioner named Nate Baker is someone who has been really adamant that he's not an automatic yes. So um, I think the voters of Durham are, are elected people who will be thoughtful about it, but leaning into the um, direction of a denser, uh, more more housing, full city. So, um, Durham City Council, as we talked about when you were on a couple of months ago, has had a fair amount of infighting and drama this past year. How does that dynamic shift, not just with with Leonardo Williams going from a council seat 
over to the to the mayor's seat, but just that shift about some there are some new council members, some um, current council members whose whose terms weren't up. And how do you see that? I guess, dynamic of, of governing changing going forward. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It was something that every candidate said, I can bring this council together. I can um, build better relationships. This really kind of exploded into public view. And these tensions have been there for a while on this council, but it exploded into public view this spring when um, one of the council members, Monique Colsey-Hyman, who lost in this election, um, was accused of some crimes. It was investigated and there were no charges brought. So, um, so she lost her race. She lost her race and her ally, one of her top allies was the former mayor who was leaving. And just a one-time mayor. One-time mayor. And then there is one person who is left that was a really key ally of hers. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who, what coalitions that woman, Deidreana Freeman, now um, seeks out on the new council. So Jillian Johnson leaving is, is a big shift. She was part of, it was sort of a coalition with, she was mayor pro tem at some point. I think it's Mark Anthony Middleton is mayor pro tem now. Right, sorry. Correct. So it was Jillian Johnson with former council member Charlie Reese and then Javier Caballero, who won her election. I think she came in second after Baker. Is that right? She won her election. She came in second. And then the other council member elected, Carl Rist, is someone who um, is a good friend of Jillian's and whose politics really align. So it's interesting that there'll be appointments because um, when... Somebody like there's a lot of people will leave or Vernetta Alston was on council and then she's in the General Assembly for listeners that know Representative Alston. She was on council and then shifted and people will appoint to an open seat and Rist had been interested in the past in an open seat that I think Caballero was the one that got several years ago. So a lot of people in local politics are, you know, they may not always be in a governing body at the time, but, you know, they'll they'll try next time. And so. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to talk more with Mary Helen, Tammy, and Kristen about big issues and different things looking ahead with their various towns and cities. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with local government reporters Kristen Johnson, Mary Helen Moore, and Tammy Grubb. Before the break, we were talking about the, the big picture things from their races and some of these aren't actually over yet. So Kristen and Tammy, both of you have races that aren't decided. Um, Tammy, why don't you go first and tell people what they need to know about when you might find out things. So um, our, we had also had council members. We had four elected in Chapel Hill this time, and uh, three of them were pretty solid decisions. The fourth is now in contention, and the two women who are uh, neck and neck for it. They have 16 votes between them. Elizabeth Sharp and Renuka Sol both ran together on the same slate. So that makes it very interesting. So on Friday, the November the 17th, there will be a canvas uh, with the elections board. And after that recount, Renuka will have a choice of whether or not she wants to ask for uh, the counts to be done again so that she can see if she won. Um, we've had this before happen in uh, 2019 between two council candidates. And uh, the vote outcome was really kind of interesting and determined uh, the slate of the camp of the council. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. And then um, we also have, and I just wanted to mention, we also have new mayors in Hillsborough and Carborough. Uh, in Hillsborough, uh, Jennifer 
uh, Weaver left and Mark Bell, who's been a town council member for several years, is now the new mayor. In Carborough, Damon Siles stepped down and Barbara Fushi, who was serving her first term on the uh, Carborough Council, is now mayor. And it's kind of interesting because her husband Braxton was also a former alderman for Carborough years ago. And um, he is uh, a member of the Fushi family who uh, is involved in all levels of government in, Car- in Orange County. Right, including former state senator Valerie Fushi yes. is now a member of Congress who's been getting some attention lately with uh, the protests going on and people wanting to talk right, about it. Right, right. And also on the uh, Chapel Hill Council, Parrish Miller Fushi. So it's a, they're, they're kind of a, a, a behind-the-scenes mover and shaker kind of family. Uh, Kristen, you've still got some outstanding races and then a, a bond referendum that didn't pass. So tell us about that. So, yeah, so uh, Fuqua Marina voters said no to a bond referendum, $60 million that would have funded a bunch of parks projects, including a 70 plus acre park. Um, it would have had courts for pickleball players, tennis courts, um, improvements to existing parks and uh, recreation programs already in the town. Um, the only thing about it was that it would have raised taxes for homeowners. Um, people would have paid 224 extra dollars a year. Um, so I think people just didn't really want to do that. <laughs> and the town uh, said that they were going to look at other options to fund the projects. Um, I'm so- sorry, this is so crazy to me. <laughs> $224 a year? I would pay that for a yeah, park. For a park. I don't I mean, know. And it wasn't just one park. I mean, it was like Hilltop Nita Moore was an existing park. It would have added a senior center. It would have been a lot of cool things, I think, that people wanted to see happen in town. And uh, bond referendums, especially for parks projects, don't fail like that. So it was pretty interesting to see because in Holly Springs, where there was a hundred million dollar bond referendum, passed. So that that for parks also? That was for parks and recreation projects also in Holly Springs. So it's pretty interesting to see why voters in Fugway were just not backing it. And what the town is going to do to find that money to get the projects um, improvements that they need. And on the board of commissioners, though, there's the race is not over between Jason um, Wunsch and Elizabeth Parent. They're neck and neck. Elizabeth is younger. She's one of the youngest people um, that would be elected to council if she wins. Um, Same and Carrie, um, Sarika and Jordan are still up in the air. Uh, We won't know until like Orange County, Wake County will have a canvas meeting on Thursday. So Thursday and Friday will be like the days that we find out the winners. So, so on the, on the parks. So it's part of their plan. Sometimes a bond referendum just makes Mm -hmm. things faster. It makes it faster. And, um, it helps the town get extra funding because they don't have to keep asking the County or the state to, for help. So really the voters and residents are the ones that decide if the town gets to do that. So, I think the town led a campaign to say, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's on the ballot. This is what's in the referendum. Here's what you can expect. They led, you know, months of information. And I think the more people, if more information people got, people were just like, you know, there, there's got to be another way to fund these projects. Well, the state budget is one way. Looking yeah. at the state budget, there's a lot of money for parks, but it kind of depends on uh, which lawmaker is pushing for that money right. as far as what, what ends up in the state budget. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
we're running out of time, but before we get to headliner, Mary Helen, you were talking about a big meeting that's coming in Durham City Council that has something to do that is involved all of our local government listeners that everybody probably has thoughts on or has dealt with, and that's zoning changes. So what's what's coming up? Yeah, I'll be quick. So um, the current city council has one meeting left. And at that meeting, which is Thanksgiving week, they will consider this huge packet of zoning changes that developers propose. They say it'll make it easy easier to build infill development. So to densify already developed parts of Durham, reducing buffers, making it able to um, build ADUs bigger and closer together and things like that. Um, and there are a lot of homeowners who are really against this. And it was kind of an issue in this election that, and so the vote right now scheduled for November 20th, they could vote it all up, they could vote it all down, they could take it piece by piece. And I am so excited to see what happens. This is gonna be fascinating. All right, so let's move on to our picks for headliner of the week. I'll start and mine is about state government. I think everybody has already probably been aware of the state auditor Beth Wood saga for almost a year now. After she had a hit and run after a holiday party in downtown Raleigh, she was indicted by a grand jury over use of her state car. And she was also driving her state car with that incident last December. For a while, she wasn't saying if she was going to run again. Then she announced that she wasn't going to run again. And then she announced that she is also going to resign in December. So that's a big change. The way the state constitution works is that the governor's Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, will appoint her replacement until the end of the term. So we'll see if that sets somebody up to run for auditor. But there's um, quite a few people running in the variety of council of state races, which you can read about, of course, in the News and Observer. So Mary Helen, I'll turn it back to you for your pick for headliner of the week. Um, my headliner of the week is a art museum in Durham that is newly renovated, has some great uh, Ernie Barnes paintings in there, and it's the North Carolina Central Art Museum on their campus. I'm going to check it out this weekend. I'm so excited. We have so much good art in this area, and I'm really just excited to see this new piece of it. All right, Tammy, who or what is your headliner? Little pickleball. Everybody loves pickleball. And Chapel Hill is getting its first private facility. Um, they're not going to open until the first of next year. But uh, memberships will go on sale December 1st. And I heard this week that they already have 300 VIP members on a waiting list. And what makes so, you a VIP pickleball? I, there are some pretty big names that, that love pickleball in Chapel Hill. And they're going to be out first day on the courts, um, 20,000 square feet, seven courts. It's on Millhouse Road um, in the town's um, light industrial district. So uh, that, that area of town is, is actually getting off the ground, too. This is the third uh, business that's going to be opening there, and it's in a new building. It's got plenty of vacancies. Millhouse of Simpsons fame. I'm so excited. Um, all right, Kristen, who or what is your headliner? Um, I need to get on a pickleball wave, just sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to miss out. But um, on Monday, Carrie's getting the Flying Biscuit Cafe. And all week, um, you can get specials on breakfast meals. And I'm really excited about the eggs and bacon breakfast for a dollar. And shrimp and grits on Friday for $5. So, yeah, pretty exciting for Carrie. You uh, you pretty much had me in this game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Kristen Johnson, our Western Wake County reporter. Tammy Grove, our Orange County reporter. And Mary Helen Moore, our Durham reporter. Thank you for joining us for this state-local government crossover episode of Under the Dome. 
I'm Don Vaughn for the News and Observer. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.